This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to your parents and your customers the rest of the year. And before we get started, we're just going to have each of us introduce ourselves. So why don't we start with you first, Gab? Well, my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Uh, camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains, and we focus on providing a positive girl community. Great. Thank you. And it is a very positive girl community. I've visited it several times, and I can attest to that. And Ruby, how about you? I'm Ruby Compton. I'm the Western North Carolina Program Director of Muddy Sneakers, which is an environmental education program that works with public school fifth graders to take them outside and teach them science. Excellent. And I'm Beth Allison. I'm co-owner of Camp Hacker and one of the founders of Go Camp Pro. I was an executive director of five children's summer camps for 15 years in Muskoka, Ontario, Canada. And I'm now a consultant. And my passion, of course, is intentional leadership training. So today, our topic is 12 new ideas for staff training. And Ruby's going to tell us why she put our brains into this mode to come up with new ideas at this time of year. Well, so I think one of the the big things I hear from listeners of the podcast is that so many ideas that are offered are ones you can literally just take and plug right into training. And so uh, we've had other podcasts like this before and thought it'd be fun to dig deep and see what were some more options we could offer to you. Uh, and as we're rolling into conference season, I'm sure you'll hear some more kind of plug and play activities as you go around. Great. Okay, Gab, start us off. Give us a new idea for staff staff training. Um, this one I got from a friend of mine who's a teacher, and um, what she likes to do, she actually um, works with teachers and teaches them new te- techniques on how to connect with their students. And what she likes to do is get um, teachers together in groups of you know five or six, take off their shoes, have a you know group discussion of sorts. And then ask that group of six to rotate to another group, leaving their shoes um, on the ground. And and then she puts in another topic, they chit-chat, and then she asks them, on the count of three, grab a shoe and put it on. And one, two, three, people grab shoes and they put it on. Of course, they try to size what shoe would fit their feet, um, but it obviously doesn't always work. And so um, what she talks about is the importance of um, making sure the the right shoe um, fits to the student, and in our case, um, the camper. And as as the as a caregiver, it is our responsibility to find those right shoes. Um, so, in any, we can use that in any sort of um, you know parallel with with uh, being um, you know a camp counselor. Um, how do you wake up your kids in the morning? Is this the right way to wake up this kid versus that child? And right. really looking at camper focus program. And I, I thought it was a very it's a it's a quick way to get your point across, and of course you can make many links with it. Um, but it seems to it seems to you know you know drive that message home that everybody's different and not every shoe fits. That's great. It's also a nice thing to do if you do it in a relay race with 
everybody switching shoes around um, just to prove that you need to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before you can make decisions about them and about their their life so lots of great things to do with shoes so perfect great way to start us off okay ruby what do you got i'm gonna throw out there that you should have your staff go camping even if your kids never go camping Mm -hmm. uh, do an overnight with your staff uh, whether that's off-site or on-site what a cool way to have an opportunity to explore maybe a part of camp that they wouldn't otherwise spend much time in. Um, I'm a big believer that uh, a staff that poops together stays together. So, uh, you know, teaching your staff those basic skills of of being outdoors and being comfortable. um, I I really feel like there's a certain zen that comes with that skill. And it was one of the reasons that our staff at Green River were always really cohesive is that they were all people that were like, yeah, I can poop in the woods. Um, And if you need more info on, on pooping in the woods, we have a whole episode about it. You can check back uh, the poop episode. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I can't speak highly enough of the, the transformation we would see in our staff after our camp out program. And this year we actually did three days and two nights, um, which nice. is exactly what we do with the kids too, as part of that program. So they got the full length experience and learned about changing sites and all that kind of stuff. They get to see more of it, but also it just really provides a richer opportunity for conversation um, and some unstructured time and opportunities to teach. They got to see more of the land. Um, and we just held classrooms outside in the woods and that's totally doable. Bring a crazy creek, bring a note- notebook, you got it. Yeah, that's awesome. Perfect. And I mean, we do it with the kids for a reason, right? So. That same reason obviously applies to um, to campers. Um, our camp just I just want to tap tag this in. Um, our staff don't sleep with our kids, and I know there's still some camps that do that. And we're an all girls environment. There's it you know it it works for us. Um, but some of the campers sleep in tents, and some of the campers sleep in cabins. But all of our staff sleep in cabins, and um, you know we make sure every single staff member sleeps in a tent before the kids arrive, so they understand the care of the tent. And they also can say, actually, sleeping in a tent is amazing. And it is. I can say I was a camper <laughs> and I loved it. Um, there's there's something wonderful about it. And, you know, there's just as many bugs in the cabin as there is in a tent. But m- making sure that ca- staff can have the same experience as campers is, is really helpful for them to uh, go back to our shoe. Uh, I was going to say, we're previously. back to the shoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for sharing, Ruby. Um So what I would say is when you have your staff together at the very beginning of staff training this year, I would sit them down in a big circle and hand out a ton of post-it notes and ask them to think of a place where they feel like they belong and to write it down on one post-it note. So everybody writes down one place where they feel that they belong and put it up on the wall. So you have a whole bunch of them sitting on the wall. Then ask them to write down as many reasons as they can come up with why it gives them a sense of belonging and ask them to do separate post-it notes for each answer and then post them on the opposite wall. And now what I would suggest is then you go over things together. So read aloud all the answers that you have and then categorize each set of answers until you come up with a great list. And your list is going to look something like this. They're going to say things like, it's a place where I feel welcome or cared for, respected or loved or where I feel appreciated or I have ownership or it's where I can take some pride. It feels like home. It Maybe they'll say things like, it's where I've got a bit of power, um, the good kind, and where I have some responsibility or where I can influence positive change. There's all kinds of things that you're going to hear from them. Then together, you decide that this is how you want everybody to feel when you are at camp. 
and that you will all work to ensure that you feel this way. So at this point, I would have every staff member write down on the next post-it note what they have to offer to the group to ensure that all your people will feel this way. And then you can have them share those things out loud, first in smaller groups and then in one large group. And then um, they can share out loud what I have to offer as a role model in this community, how I'm here to make this community strong. Maybe write it all down, have a creed, have your people sign it, but it's your promise to each other that this is what home feels like to all of us, so this is how we're going to treat each other this summer. So there's an idea for me. Gab, what else you got? That was really nice. Um, I have a time travel one. It's called 20 Years Ahead. And so the idea is that around camp, um, you post um, scenarios. So um, a camper um, is struggling with making their bed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, a camper is feeling left out in this situation. And there's three campers not ignoring, but just caught up in what they're doing, um, et cetera, et cetera. So scenarios, normal scenarios that we see, everyday scenarios, and um, and then so uh, in groups of three or four, you walk around and you start um, posting, well, how would staff members deal with these situations? Just written form. And then the 20 years ahead piece is the ripple effect. Um, in 20 years from now, um, Jonathan, who's having a hard time, um, you know, making his bed because Sandy didn't do it for him, but showed him, he now has the confidence to X, Y, and Z. And so in, I mean, the, 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 you know, the, the activities like obvious, what we're trying to do is to show that, that camp, you know, has this ripple effect and there's a power in what we do. Um, and, and I think it's a nice activity to just see that the, in the, in the mundane actions of the camp counselor, you can have really big, uh, really positive and big impact. Um, and I think that can turn into a really wonderful, um, a group discussion and how to deal with certain situations at camp and how do we want to do it, uh, in a positive way versus, a, a you know, a, a negative way and, and so on and so forth. Brilliant. And I think one of the things to do, not all of them, but maybe ask them for several of those uh, to come up with a negative 20 years from now, Um, because that's powerful, too, to see that some small action can cause so much difficulty for a camper 20 years from now. and It's not something that they would ever want to happen. So, again, the importance of the Monday life at at summer camp. So I wouldn't do them all like that. But, you know, heavy on the positive, light on the negative, but it's still an important ripple effect. Right. And also sharing, too, if there are things that your staff or you like there are skills that I've learned at summer camp. I learned how to do hospital corners making a bed (laughs) because that was a requirement. One of the camps I went to Um, the first time I lit a fire with a match was at summer camp. So I think pointing to those moments like this is a real thing that happens. Great. Yeah. And I think I think it's something that we can we could you, you could possibly do at the beginning of your staff training and. And it could be things that, you know, anybody, even if they're new staff members or young staff members, they can answer these, um, you know, these or problem solve these situations. Um, but then talk about throughout staff training, um, we're going to learn how to do how to treat our campers and how to create a community that is a positive and constructive. Um, that's going to help with a positive ripple effect versus something that could be destructive. And right. um, and, you know, for returning staff your role is to, of course, you know, as long as you can learn that one thing a day, we're, that's what we want. But what's your role in supporting other staff members? This is a, you know, we, ha- we have a lot of power 
um, you know, we're here to learn uh, to do that. So I think you could probably do that at the beginning of the summer. Great. Excellent idea. Okay, Ruby, what do you got? Um, I think that your staff should weed something during staff training. So I think back to an early summer at the YMCA camp where I worked, just on summer staff, and we were told to go weed the sand volleyball court. <laughs> and and on mass, we all went and did it. And um, other places I've been, um, there have been gardens where we kind of, again, on mass as a staff have gone and done that. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this. It's not just the manual labor and kind of the taking ownership of the space that I think, you know, is the obvious. Um, This is a really cool opportunity for you as the director to get down on hands and knees and really work alongside your staff, even if it's just for an hour and show them like, sometimes I have to do this stuff too. I think also how often I had staff at Green River who really loved weeding and had no idea that they did. (laughs) And so um, that we were teaching them a life skill. Like this is something that's therapeutic. Um, Teaching them, I think that's something that always scares people about being involved with gardens or farms that they're going to pick the wrong thing. And so if you can spend some time showing them like these are things that we don't want to see in the garden, these are things that we do, then they will do it on their own. They'll take note of that when they're walking by and be like, oh, that's a big, that's a big weed. You know, I'm also really into plants. And so like no plant is a weed to me, but in the gardening (laughs) sense, there certainly are some things that you don't want to have there and, and that are competing for space for the the produce that you're growing. So, um, if weeding is not your thing, I think consider something that could be a maintenance project that you do with the maintenance folks so that your staff can gain some appreciation for what that's like. Um, and will be more considerate of of those staff and the jobs that they have. And and I think sometimes when maintenance is done well, we tend to forget about it. So um, I would encourage you to look at an opportunity for that. Perfect. That's wicked. All right. So I would suggest that every day at the end of staff training, and you got to get organized, and you got to plan for this, I would do a recap video of every day. So in order to reinforce what learning took place each day of staff training, I would put your staff into groups for the week and have them gather at the end of each day and make a list of everything they learned. So of course I would front load this um, by doing it together on the first day so that you can set the example of what you're looking for because you want not only for them to come up with all the hard skills that they learned like emergency procedures or how to belay, Um, but also all the soft skills that they learned, like communication and empathy and gratitude and so on. So what you want to do is let them know that it's really important to you to communicate to all of your families, your campers, your donors, your neighbors, your board members, everybody that you've got, what you learned at training and how excited you all are to have the campers arrive. And then each group would be responsible for presenting what they learned at the end of one of those days. So explain that you're gonna film this so that they need to figure out how to creatively show this in two minutes or less. And give each group time on the second day, so after you've done it together um, the night before or at the end of the day, if you are a day camp and you're not staying uh, into the evenings, to work up how they would like to show what they've learned, um, keeping in mind that they won't have learned these things yet. But you'll need an outline so that when the group's day arrives, they can plunk in these things that they've learned that day. And then you also have to be sure to have each group have time at the end of the day when it's their turn to be able to record this and to um, fit in their learned skills and practice it just a little bit before it's filmed. So 
I would do that. And then the second part of it would be to get it out there, get it on your website, send it to your campers, send it to the families, send it to your donors, to everybody. And show one each evening during training out there in social media about the things your staff is learning and how intentional you are about the training process and becoming true youth development professionals. So you're not also re only reinforcing what they've learned and kind of going over it. So it's review because your staff will see this little um, production as well, but also letting everybody else know, which I think is a key piece of your message. Yeah, and I think I, I love that, Beth. And I think that um, I think that sometimes as camp directors, we struggle with what do we do with our third year staff members uh, mm -hmm. that have done our the yeah. staff training again, and and if they can lead that project, and if they have yes. the time to do the editing, and they work with some, you know, you know, five, you know, third year staff members sit down, they have laptops, yep. and they're working on this project. They don't need to be at all the at all of the uh, sessions, right? Um, and it gives them understanding on marketing, gives them, you know, understanding on communication and, you know, yeah, let's help them put that into their, um, you know, resume. But I think this is, you know, camp is more than just fun and yep. putting it out there is also, it's, it's wonderful marketing. I'm so down with what yeah. you're talking about. And if you are about. doing, like if you're doing this on a day-to-day -day basis, you're also really stressing with your staff the importance of their job. So their job isn't just to lifeguard, their job isn't just to play with kids, there's so much more to it than that. And that's mm -hmm. when you can really start stressing uh, about the, you know, the life skills, as we said already, that they're learning at summer camp and what that they're teaching at summer camp. So these videos become part of their legacy that they're leaving after they go, right? So also keep it's so, Yeah, it's great, I love that and I would, I would I would probably, yeah, for a marketing side, I'd probably come up with a hashtag. Yeah. Uh, so that when you're posting your videos or you're making comments throughout the day, like, uh, Absolutely. you know, hashtag learning since whatever, whenever your yeah. camp started, yeah. you know, uh, staff learn or learning since 1944. And yeah. that's your hashtag at the end. So maybe, you know, look at it a little bit from that area and have people tweet what they've learned that day and that kind of stuff too. But yeah. I look forward to seeing yours through, this summer, Gab. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've got this. <laughs> one, of, one of my Beth is laughing because some of my staff members realize that uh, when I say I got this, it means I really don't. I really don't have it. So <laughs> I'm like, no problem, guys. I got this, and they're like, oh no, she doesn't. <laughs> I didn't know, but now I'm real. I'm becoming more aware, <laughs> more self-aware. Absolutely. Yes. I know well, you got this next tip, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is this is more staff training. Smooth. <laughs> it's very smooth. Uh, thanks. Smooth transition. Um, <laughs> this is for <laughs> this is for staff training um, during the summer, as we know it's important to continue doing staff training throughout mm, yes. the summer. It's hard to do. I get it. Um, I get bogged down with a lot of uh, to dos as well. Um, I think this is a this is a quick one that you can do um, with your staff. So at the review part when you're doing um, a check in with you know, usually at the second week, everybody should have their check-in. One of the questions that I like to ask is, um, how can you help your boss do a better job? And so a lot of the times, uh, we're, we're very, I find in, within the camp community, uh, as supervisors, we're very staff and camper focused. So how can the, that supervisor help the staff member do better? How can we help them thrive? Um, sometimes what we miss is we don't, with our staff present that the part of your job is actually 
making your supervisor's life easier. Um, that's something that we sometimes miss. And so just by asking them this question, I think it helps them reflect on the work that they can continue doing throughout the summer and and also saying and also open up that conversation with a little bit of transparency. Actually, I could be more communicative with this person. Um, I could try to show up on time a little bit more or I could be a little bit more sympathetic to their situation. So um, that's that's a that I find is a good staff training uh, piece that you can actually just put it into one of your questions um, during during the check-ins that you do throughout the summer. Perfect. Input Which is I wanna, always good. Yeah, yep. and just add on to that, the way the framework that I've used in the past um, comes from a, an ACA webinar I did a while ago that talks about the four quadrants of accountability. So I would ask the questions, how are you meeting the expectations of your campers? How are you meeting the expectations of your parents? How are you meeting the expectations of your coworkers? And how are you meeting the expectations of your directors? So a similar question gets some of that same thoughts of like, well, you expect me to communicate when things are going wrong or you expect me to do my job, you know? And so that allowed us to unpack that a little bit. Nice. Yeah, and, it, and I, think that, I think the thing is, is that with those, those questions, each each supervisor has different needs, um, and if they can get specific about it, it also teaches them a sense of responsibility and also shows them where they have power. Um, and so, you know, I, I like that aspect of it. I like the four quadrants. It's helpful. Well, as Michael Brandwine says, specific is terrific. <laughs> specific <laughs> is terrific. It sure is. <laughs> well, shout out to Michael there. Yes. <laughs> okay, Ruby, what do you got? Um, okay, I'm going to teach you all one of my most favorite things that if you've ever come to a workshop session with me, especially when that's active, I've probably taught you this skill. Um, I think you should be offering some training to your staff about classroom management um, and kind of like basic education principles and, and how students learn and setting up a learning environment because we are always going to be teaching at summer camp. No matter how fun things are, there's always a teaching element. So uh, I have a group management technique that I learned from Twigs, Laura Johnson, um, and she's a, a very dear friend and mentor to me. And she taught this at a staff training when I was, gosh, in I don't know, summer four, five, six, somewhere in there. And I've used it ever since. And I literally teach it to every group that I ever work with. And it's okay. So I need everybody to put their hands on their hips and they do that and their elbows are sticking out. And now I want you to get in a circle where your elbows are basically touching the person next to you. And once they've done that, then I'm like, all right, cool. This is a double chicken wing circle. And I flap my elbows. If you have the video, you can see me doing that now. And I'm like, all right, I want you to drop one elbow. It doesn't matter which one you can pick. And so people drop an elbow and I'm like, all right, scooch in so your elbows are touching now. This is what I like to call a single chicken wing circle, right? Scientists <laughs> sometimes call stuff what it is. That's really cool. And then I'm like, all right, drop both elbows and scooch in so you're shoulder to shoulder. Everybody gets there and I'm like, all right, this, this is called chicken soup because it gets warm. <laughs> and then two more variations you can use. Uh, I have the, everybody spread way out so that only fingertips are touching. This one has several names. You can call it the flying chicken. You can call it chicken fingers. Also my favorite that I've been using a lot more recently is the free range chicken. So you're really spread out, right? And then I'll have everybody get in a huddle. I'm like, all right, everybody just get in a huddle, like not even a circle. I want some people, you know, everybody's standing really close, but eyes up here, everybody looking up here at me. And once I have that, I'll say this, this is called chicken nuggets. And, <laughs> and then I'll be like, all right, make a double chicken wing circle. And I'll tell them, this is a way that I can tell you how big of a circle I want, how I want our group mm -hmm. to look. 
we've all had that experience of saying, all right, make a circle. Okay, take two steps in. All right, take three steps out. You know, like we've all done it. Or you say make a circle and you get a square or a pentagon or whatever. <laughs> so it's a really easy way and kind of fun and silly and um, just a really easy way that people can respond to those instructions and very clearly communicate how you want the group to look. It doesn't always have to be in circles. I've also said like, all right, I need a chicken soup line. All right, so shoulder to shoulder, but it's, you know, everybody in a line facing me. Um, so take that, use it, spread the, the double chicken wing circle around the world. <laughs> spread the chicken. <laughs> I think it's also like there's a concept there that they can use in other activities too. And, you know, you're, you're front loading with your kids about expectations so that things go more smoothly and they can have more fun because they're not wasting time trying to figure out what kind of circle you want, all that kind of stuff. So they can use that concept in all kinds of other things. So I think that's great. Yeah. And it's so specific. Um, yes. It's just one of those tools. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Beth, it's specific. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah, it. I like it too. It's really good. Yeah. Um, our goal for our people at camp is to engage them in relationships. That's our goal. But how do we know when a youth or a staff member or colleague of ours is engaged and at what level? Well, I created a tool that helps us to figure that out because I had a, a camp that asked me to come in and do some training because they had staff that were like really awesome. They were like super keen and they were doing all these great announcements and costumes and, you know, sort of going over the top for all these other things. But what they weren't doing was engaging the campers. Um, they were kind of missing that piece. So this particular tool will help you build stronger communities and really connect with your people. So, of course, it's an acronym. I have not done one in a while, so I felt it was time to throw it out. Um, <laughs> but this one works from the bottom up. So I call okay. it the engagement pyramid, and we'll add it to the show notes so you can see a picture of it. But you start at the bottom. So the first E stands for ease of entry. So I'm going to talk about pooping again, but are they comfortable in your space? Are they eating, drinking, sleeping, pooping if you're a residential camp or if not, sometimes people have to poop in the daytime too. Um, do they know where things are, where they're supposed to be? So all these basic needs have to really be met before they can engage any further. And if they're not, they're not moving on to greater engagement. N is no problem joining in. Are they joining in and participating? Are they kind of are sitting out on the sidelines? Where are they in that? The first G, and remember we're going up from the bottom, um, is generating positive connections. So they're not bullying or being bullied. They're not excluding others or being excluded. They're not sitting out on that perimeter. They are making positive connections. The A is for applying themselves. Are they applying themselves to new situations, attempting new challenges? They're excited and eager to learn things. G is, uh, and this, this is gaining resiliency. So that's where youth and adults are at if they're on that level of the pyramid. They're getting a handle on coping with disappointments and failures. And of course, they have grit, that great camp word that we're all throwing around these days. And then the final E, the top of the pyramid, so you can imagine these are getting smaller as we go up because we're making a triangle. Um, e, this final E is for empowering themselves and others. So they're taking leadership roles. They're making a difference. So obviously the top of the pyramid is where we want to get all of our people, but we have to understand that nobody is going to go from the top to the bottom without skipping any of these necessary levels in between. So each phase is a necessary stepping stone for the one above it. And our job as caretakers is to take youth and staff as far as we can in the time that we have with them. Will we get them all to the top of the pyramid? Probably not, uh, especially if we're running week long or two week long sessions. 
but we first have to figure out where they currently sit and how we're going to get them up to the next level. So I'm going to strongly suggest that you take the pyramid, and as I said, we'll put the picture of it in the show notes, that you sit with all of your staff members at leadership training, put them into different groups, maybe six groups, and get them to write up at least 10 ways in which your camp intentionally engages campers at each of those levels on the pyramid. And they could do it in small groups, have really good discussion. If you can't come up with 10, then maybe you need to talk about that because you should be able to. Um, And then as a whole, you could come up with this great big massive list. So you've got this list everywhere in your pyramid and um, your staff has a really great jumping off point for how to move folks to that next level. I'm gonna talk a bit more about how to use it when I give my fourth tip. Okay, so Gab, we'll go on to you. Gab, you always keep us like waiting. I like it. <laughs> it's how it keeps me. I'm just saying that kind of technique is fantastic because you're in a session at you know staff training and you're like, well, I'll let you know by the end of this session how to do that. Those staff members that aren't paying attention all of a sudden are like, wait, I need to know. <laughs> so brava. Um, okay. Uh, my last one is called fix it. Um, so I think in, I believe, um, in this day and age, um, it's, it's not, I believe it's true. You can, you can buy a pair of jeans for $10. You can buy t-shirts for $4. Um, go to tar- uh, to forever 21 or, you know, target or whatever. There's deals everywhere and, and just fixing things is, is quickly, um, dissolving from our society and our population is growing. And so, this sort of this balance of what we throw out uh, versus what we try to fix ourselves is shifting. Um, and anybody that, you know, usually anybody that talks about their grandparents can remember them fixing something, at least, you know, their grandfathers, whether they're carpenters or not, had a shop um, with, you know, nails and screws and wire and, and their grandmothers knew how to sew. Um, and I think what would be nice is to do a fix-it session um, at camp. And I'm a big believer that you can do a lot with duct tape or thread and not everybody knows how to do that and, uh, just use those two things freely. Um, so my, my challenge would be bring things that's around camp backpacks, um, you know, um, any utensils, whatever that, that it needs a little bit of fixing, put it into a circle and say, all right, grab and go and see what you can do with this stuff. Um, bring your own things, your own items, um, and then I would encourage camps to continue uh, a fix-it project throughout um, their summer during, you know, their free time. Have a couple of staff, have campers just bring their things and teach them how to sew, teach them how to repair. Um, have patches available, have, you know, and, and teach them that this, this we can really, um, we don't have to throw these things out. Um, and I think that obviously builds self-confidence, but also, uh, you know, goes into our values of, of uh, not wasting and 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 appreciating what we do have that's great and you're also teaching problem solving skills which i love so has so many values brilliant all the way around i love that one gab that's great okay ruby what's your last one so i know some people on this podcast uh have summer camps that have language immersion programs and you're learning (laughs) different languages and that's really sweet but some of us don't Uh, so 
Um, <laughs> a request that I've had from my uh, environmental ed staff, because we work with a fair number of students that English is not their first language. And so I'm really looking at and trying to figure out a great way to teach all of my staff a little bit of Spanish, you know, just enough to at least start to spark the interest. And maybe somebody goes, man, this is cool. I want to know more. And that might get them down, going down a path of, of learning another language, but um, taking some classes on their own. But I think looking at the demographic of your, your campers um, and, you know, it, are there skills that they need, whether it be sign language, um, a, a foreign language of some kind, um, see if there's a way you can light that spark. Um, and, and just kind of get them started down that path. Uh, how cool would it be to be able to say to parents, like, yeah, all of our staff take an hour-long Spanish class and, and can, you know, it's very basic, uh, but they can at least carry on some conversation. And, uh, you know, probably on your staff, you even have people who could teach that. Uh, you may not even have to look that far, depending on where you are and what you're trying to teach. So I had a staff member last year who really, really is passionate about um, ASL. And so she was teaching sign language to her campers and including it in some of our rituals. And it was very, very cool. So, um, think about language, uh, especially for those of you that maybe it's not a central part to your program and see how you can introduce an element to that in your training. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. And what you're saying is also just because you're a minority doesn't mean within our community. So your camp community doesn't mean that we can't learn you, we can adapt. Mm -hmm. Always expecting the minority to adapt to the culture um, doesn't represent necessarily the camp values that we're trying to share. So this is a great way of making something that's implicit, explicit. We explicitly want you to adapt for uh, for our campers um, so that they can, you know, feel welcomed and heard. And it's really nice. That's lovely. And it's brain expansion, you know, when we're learning other languages. So and we're back to the shoe. We're, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out how it feels on the other foot. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I th um, Michael's um, uh, Brandwine, um wife is uh, an interpreter for sign language. And um, I went to the International Camping Congress in Toronto in 1994. And uh, there was somebody that was interpreting a concert, a, a Peter, Paul, and Mary concert. And I was like, this person's so cool. I took sign language afterwards. And then... Fast forward a bunch of years later, I'm in South Africa and I'm helping Michael do a, a leadership program and I'm, I'm in awe. I'm like, oh, I'm working with Michael. <laughs> and we're sitting at a dinner table and I keep looking at his wife and she's moving her hands so majestically. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, um, <laughs> Donna, were you in Toronto 1994? And she was like, Yes, I believe I was. Were you interpreting for Peter Paul and Mary concert? She was like, yes, I was. I was like, Michael, you're dead to me. I really want to speak to your wife. She has inspired That's awesome. me. That's awesome. I want to learn everything, but it, it language opens doors. It, it you know, yes. it makes connections. Um, so, yeah, that's my story about sign language. The meeting Michael's wife. I was like, oh, I remember you? That's right. He is yeah. not the only star in the family. No, <laughs> she she would have to be, I would think. <laughs> I would think so too. Um, okay, so here's my last one. Because our work is all about relationships, and we talk about this all the time, one of the best ways to think clearly about how your campers or your staff members are doing in their engagement at camp. So that'd be that first G on the bottom of the engagement scale as you're going up, generating positive connections, is to create a sociogram. 
So I didn't create this, it's not mine, um, but I've used it for years in my work, um, both at camp with my campers and with my staff. So for my camp, what I did was I created an overhead view of one of our camp cabins and I used different colored rectangles like yellow on the top bunk, red on the bottom bunk, um, so that the counselors could see it and then they could place the names of the campers who slept there on the appropriate bunk. So because your cabins probably don't look like mine, um, you could do your overhead view however that's going to be. Or if you're a day camp or uh, another organization that sends folks home at the end of, of the day, you could create one with using squares or circles or triangles, like whatever your thing is, as long as everybody's name's on it. So I would break down the groups into the, into smaller groups that spend time together. So either your cabin groups or your tenting groups or different age groups, different staff departments like your waterfront staff or your program staff or your adventure team. Or you might just have one sociogram for your staff if you're a small camp. And it works like this. You've placed the names of the people in the group. So for me, I placed them on the bed where they slept in one of our cabins. And this is filled out by whomever directly supervises this group of people, okay? So if you have a leadership team member, this person could do it for their leadership team, okay? And so in an appropriate time when they are not with the people written on this sociogram, they fill in all of their names and they draw lines showing the connections between them. So I'm drawing a line from one bunk to another and back from the bunk to the next one. So if I gave you an example, it might look like this. Um, so Sarah, she has a really solid relationship with Katie, who's over here. So I would draw this really solid line with an arrow pointing from Sarah to Katie. Same backwards, they do really well, they have great relationship, no issues going on there, solid relationship with an arrow. Katie, however, really shaky relationship with Emma, who sleeps down here in this bunk. Um, Katie's been snapping at her and we have to be really aware of that, so I draw kind of a disjointed line. Emma, however, no clue that this is happening. So, and we all know kids like that. <laughs> so she feels a good connection to Katie because she hasn't clued into that. And then you got Abby and Jocelyn who are over here. Um, Jocelyn showing some signs of bullying towards Abby and Abby feels really uncomfortable around Jocelyn. So I have like a big X line, you know, so I'm showing that that relationship is not solid. It's not doing what I want it to do. And you continue to do it for all the possible relationships in the group. And then you have your counselors, if you're doing it for your kids or your group leaders, if you're doing it for staff members, assess where they thought each of them was sitting currently on that engagement pyramid. And these two pieces of information, um, help them create a, a plan then to move each youth up a level in the pyramid and have that best possible experience that they can with you at camp. So obviously this can be used by supervisors um, of staff teams, as I said so uh, I said before, um, and you can do it in smaller groups and again for larger teams, but it really begins to show you what kind of relationships exist, who's getting along, who's struggling, who's being left out, who's including people, and so on. And I think this goes without saying, but of course these are kept confidential and should only be for the eyes of the people who are filling them out. So I would love it if camps used engagement scales and sociograms all the time and create it to make it look however you want it to look and distribute them to your staff either on a weekly or monthly basis, however you do this, um, so that they can move their people into better relationships with one another. At my camp, they had to sit outside. They had porch talks when the kids went to sleep and they quietly looked at where kids were in terms of their sociogram and their engagement scale so that the next day um, they could figure out uh, and intentionally construct a plan to get them to the next level. And it, for me, it just you have really great strides then in creating that extraordinary experience for the people in your care because you're really intentional about it. So that's what I would do with those two pieces. It's so it. awesome, yeah. And it's something that 
this is a technique that um, people in human resources and study mm-hmm. human relations do. Yep. And so you're also teaching your staff things that, you know, fourth year um, university human relations mm-hmm. students are learning. So it's, it's, it's great practice. And that visual piece is, is really powerful. Great. Gab, yeah, it's it. recap time. <laughs> I feel Why, like we, we need music. Like we need special music for recap yeah. time. Yeah, I agree. Not that. that. Maybe maybe in the new year. Okay. (laughs) That'd be great. Um, All right. So one through 12, um, try on somebody else's shoes. Two, go camping. Three, post it. Why do you belong here? Uh, Four, 20 years from now, what's it going to look like? What's the impact? Five, weed. Not that kind. Make sure it's manual labor. (laughs) If you haven't discussed weed at your camp, you should because that's a very important topic to talk about. Um, it may be legal, may not. Um, make a video, post it on YouTube, and create your own hashtag to help promote it. Uh, seven, how can I help my boss do their job better? Eight, um, this is a little uh, shout-out to Twig. Thanks, Twig, for this get-your-perfect-circle example of chicken wings, chicken soup, <laughs> free-range chicken. Number nine, engagement pyramid. Um, I believe we're going to have the acronym fully described in our show notes. Number 10, fix it, don't chuck it. 11, Duolingo, hey, Rosetta. Uh, <laughs> making sure that you're uh, learning at least a second or third language. Um, and number 12, Z cliffhanger, uh, an overhead <laughs> view of sociograms and engagement skills. And that is our review for today. Thanks, Gab. How can you get involved? Well, just join us uh, using that hashtag camp code. Let us know the topics you'd like to discuss, the guests you'd recommend that we talk to, and any great leadership training tips that you have to share. We would love to hear from you. We all know it's all about sharing in this industry. And if you found our podcast to be useful, please leave us a rating and a review for us in iTunes. And you can do that by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes. Or, of course, you can tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash campcodelove, because we all love Camp Code. Um, and your feedback really helps us to keep the show going. And if you'd like to talk to us individually, this is how you do it. Gab, how do we get a hold of you? Well, you can check out where I work at waro.com, and you can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Gabrielle Rail. Great. Thank you. Ruby. Uh, you can email me at rubylin85 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter, rubylin85, or on Instagram, rubyoutdoors. It's mostly just photos of my dog now that I got. who has <laughs> been walking around in the room. He's been watching the video, and I've been peeking behind. <laughs> making sure he's behaving. A very <laughs> handsome dog. I have met him. He's oh, quite lovely. Thanks. Yeah, so check out my Instagram for that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Will do. Um, and you can find out where I work at gocamp.pro or camphacker.tv. And you can email email me at both of those, either beth at camphacker.tv or beth at gocamp.pro. Ruby, what's our next podcast? So excited about this one. <laughs> We're going to talk about training employees who know more than you do. And it never happens, but. <laughs> totally happens. Like, this is my comfort zone. I'm so excited about this one. Totally <laughs> like, my expertise <laughs> and, we, and we may have a special guest i haven't even talked to the other folks about that but Ooh, yeah we have a special, special guest that's great that's yeah funny. yeah great well our final segment as you know on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training and we'd love to hear some of your memorable moments or your most effective tips and you can tell us what they are again just using that hashtag camp code and this week we're going to hear from gab um so 
uh, I'm passionate about communication um, because I feel like with good communication, you can inspire and you can inspire change and you can spark something in individuals that, you know, they didn't even know existed. Um, and so for that reason, I go to um, different um, conferences uh, with uh, probably more towards like graphic design and uh, so on and so forth. And it's I, I find it just fascinating how people are trying to communicate in, you know, less than a second, uh, a message uh, visually. And one of one of the things that I picked up on speaking with um, people that own different creative firms is the successful creative firms allowed their creative employees to have a personal project um, that they worked on that those individuals were passionate about. And it allowed them to work on their their skills. That might be photography, that might be um, typography, it might be, you know, whatever. It might be actual just um could be creative dance if you if you want, but they had a personal project that the company actually paid for them to do and gave them gave them time to do. And um, a couple of years ago, I started doing that within my office, um, asking them what kind of project would you like to work on for our organization? What's your creative project? And what it's done is it it allows them to look at our company and say, I think we can do this better, or I think our or, our organization could benefit from this and it really creates this buy-in and it also shows them that um, the camp cares about what they care about and that they have a place here so my best practice is if possible with your full-time staff members allow them to come up with their own personal project and support them uh, in that project um, and and you know uh, what we do is uh, fry part of Fridays is working on the project and then they can present it to other staff members um, at the end of every month, uh, we have a little uh, gathering with a little cheese and wine, and they present what they've been working on and why they're excited about it. And um, and it just brings so much great stuff to our company, and I can really see the buy-in. And it makes answering emails and so on. You know, the other things are sort of just the grimy stuff that you need to do okay because you know that you have something that you're really, really passionate about. So I would that's one of my best practices that I brought back from – the creative industry. Brilliant. Love brilliant, it. brilliant. Love it. All right. Since this is the last podcast you're likely to hear from us before the holidays, we just want to take a moment to wish you peace and joy and happiness as you gather with your friends and with your family. We wish you a happy new year and the start of an amazing camp season in 2017. And we're sending out a very Merry Christmas to and happy new year to Etienne Cobalt Lefebvre, who does our editing for this podcast. We could never do it without him. Yes. So thank you. Thanks, Etienne. And thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.